Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Then, I don't have this song yet. Or maybe I do. I don't think so. On CD. No. I've got to still. And there's a few other songs I want to add to the book and to the CD, so I wait until I get all the songs on there before I make another CD in vain. So, a lot to do still yet. Hard to get everything done. Let's do... Page 13 in the suite by and by. Hello, Sister Kiki. Hello, Brother AJ. Praise the Lord. It's God. It's already fasting over there in your part of the world. Not the Day of Atonement yet until tomorrow morning, but uh, until sunrise, but you're already in your period of fasting. Uh, very late at night over there, early in the morning. So let's get the show on the ball here. I know it's awful late at night for you guys. Page 13. Thank you. 
over here and this computer around uh, sleep you can't think how to turn this thing off there it goes oh, lord have mercy god help us ah. maybe that rosemary essential oil will kick in in a few minutes to wake me up Lord and mercy, God help us. There's Brother Kareem and Sister Fiona. Good afternoon to you guys over there in Jamaica. Hope it's dry there today. I mean, yeah, today. You guys ran for good weather for the feast, for the fiesta, for everyone. They pray for good weather for us too while we're out there camping. I appreciate it. <clears throat> Let's go in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for this seventh day. Thank you for all of our brothers and sisters. Thank you for what you've done for Brother Meekness, his wife, Amanda, and their son. Thank you, Father, for bringing a family together through the tithes that are sent in your ministry, in your name, for your glory to return the hearts of the children back to the hearts of the fathers, and the hearts of the fathers back to the hearts of the children, and especially the sons with, the, with their dads. We thank you, Lord, that the prophecies are being fulfilled, that your word is working, that your word is effective. Your word bears forth good fruit. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit of love that is working to bring families together, congregations together, brothers and sisters together. And how do you continue to teach us, lead us, and direct us farther and farther into the truth which draws us closer to you? Father, as we enter into this day of atonement, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to get the right focus, to examine ourselves, where we're at, where we've been, how far we've come, and how far we still yet need to obtain unto the better resurrection. What do we still lack? What are we still spiritually weak in? that we still need to perfect 
We ask you, Father, to please purify us and consume out of us every wicked thing, everything that is not pleasing to you, every weak part of us that needs to be strengthened and every part of us that needs to be weakened or removed. We ask you, Lord, to correct us and align us to the center of your spirit. We ask you, Lord, for your infilling of the Holy Ghost. We pray, Lord, that you would pour more of yourself, more of your Holy Ghost into us and change us and help us, Lord, to speak forth your word, to see things the way you see them, to hear things the way you hear them, to think the way you would have us to think. As mature and responsible adults and as spiritual beings. We ask you, Lord, to help us with our fasting. And we ask you, Father, to please help us about where to go for the fiesta of tabernacles, how to keep it according to your commandments and according to your will in this time of desperation. In this time of darkness, in this time of destitute, in this time of trouble, a time when it is difficult to find where to go, what might be our last fiesta of tabernacles before the great tribulation, that you would guide us, lead us, direct us, please, Lord, about how to keep the fiesta to the fullness of what we are able to do. We ask you, Father, to help us to set the right priorities in everything. We ask you, Father, to help our brothers and our sisters to also set the right priorities, to stand their ground for your commandments, for your law, for your truth, for your ways, for your holy days, to put you first in all things, financially, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, in every way possible, that women would not choose to exalt their children above you and your laws and your commandments, that women will not put governments and schools and men's laws above your laws. That men will not put women above your laws and your ways. That men will not put jobs, sports, women, money, houses, land above you. That, men, that women would find their appropriate and right male leaders according to your will, even if it be only through the pastorship of this ministry, then so be it. We ask, Lord, that your will prevail in everything in our lives. We are your servants. We are your slaves. 
even as Paul said that he was a slave to you, that he was in chains to you. That is the way we desire. You are our master. And yes, you can say, jump and we'll say, how high, sir? Lord, please control us. Take us, use us, command us, and send us. Because we are your willing slaves. We are willing to be adopted into your family, to be told what to do because you are God. We are willing. We pray that our brothers and sisters will become more willing and that none of us would be left behind in diligence. That even the weakest chain, even the weakest link of the chain, even the smallest toe shall be strengthened and be brought into alignment of the fullness of your spirit and the fullness of your will. We ask for your protection during the fiesta. We pray for good weather, safety, safe travel, safe dwellings. We pray for relaxation. Pray for your help and your strength. We pray for even good angels to direct our steps, protect us, to lead the way. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to take the dominion, the authority, and the power that you have given us, that we would use all the tools that you have given us that those that have been given tools that are not using them to the max, that they would use the tools you have given them to the max. We pray, Lord, that the gifts that have been given will be used. We pray, Lord, for more involvement for those that are not very involved. We pray, Lord, for your help and your leadership in all of this, and you will prevail. Please help us in this sermon now and in the next sermon for the Day of Atonement. Please help us with our sleep, with our rest, with our fasting, with all of our observances of your days. May we keep them in the spirit of your law, and may we keep them in every way that we're supposed to, to our best ability. We pray, Lord, that your church be edified in this sermon, that we be edified, each and every one, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please give us understanding, Father. Please give us understanding. Let us not be confused. Let us not think the way we want to think or the way we used to think. But let us and help us to be the new, new creature 
the new creation that we're supposed to be in Christ Jesus. Please help us to receive this word through the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Let's turn to Revelation 22, the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Amen. I'm not going to say, I'm going to try not to say the last chapter of the Bible anymore, because it's really not. Amen. But it is the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Revelation 22. Praise Jesus. Uh, Revelation 22, verse 15. Uh, 22, 15. Let's back up a little bit. I love what I see. I love what I see. Let's start in verse 10. Revelation 22, verse 10. And he came to me, or he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. And the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still or continue practice righteousness. And the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Amen. In other words, time is up and you won't be able to change anymore when it comes to that final day uh, at the end of the hundred years. In verse 12, behold, I am coming quickly. Amen. God is coming quickly. When he does come, it will be sudden. And my reward is with me to repay to everyone according to what he or she has done. Amen. Is this says according to whether somebody has prayed or not? No. Does it say according to whether or not somebody believes or not? No. But what they have done, their works, their actions. Amen. To repay us, to receive our wages, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, the second death. Amen. But the gift of God being the eternal life, right? Amen. That gift is also repay. It is also our wages for what we have done. Verse 13, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Amen. The first and the last. The beginning and the ending. You know what? He is the beginning of speech and the ending of speech, meaning he will have the last word. Amen. 
Blessed are those who wash their robes. I'm blessed for doing laundry? No. It's not saying, blessed is he that uses Thai detergent and get a, a, a gold ribbon or blue or red ribbon for getting the whitest clothing, for bleaching his clothing white. No. That is spiritual. Amen. For a clean heart and a clean mind and a mature heart and mind. Amen. So that you may have the right have the right. You want to read the Constitution? Guess what? You have a right if you get clean enough. Only you get clean enough. Amen. Not if you believe enough, but rather you wash your clothes. Spiritual. Amen. Have a right to the tree of life. Notice how the tree of life is in Genesis what? two or three, and right here in Revelation 22 as well. Isn't that interesting? It started with the tree of life, the choice between either the tree of life or the tree of the so-called knowledge of wisdom of good and evil, which is not the true knowledge of good and evil, but rather a person's own opinion of what's right and wrong. Versus the tree of life, which is God's commandments, God's way of life, God's way of thinking, God's way of looking at things. Amen. The way of life. The tree of life is the way of life. But it is also a family and a kingdom. As we're going to read more in Romans later about that tree of life being a tribe. The child of Israel, I will show you that later. And that you may enter by the gates into that sea. Yeah, there will be borders and gates. And there will be no immigrants, illegal immigrants, allowed without a passport. Revelation what? Chapter 1, 2, or 3, one of those chapters, one of the first three chapters of Revelation talks about that you will be given a white stone with a new name in it. That will be your passport. Now, I guarantee you that stone will not be dull in appearance. It's going to be a shiny crystal with your name, new name, engraved in it. And that shiny crystal stone tablet will be your passport into the gates of the new city, New Jerusalem, that shall come down out of heaven. Amen? And verse 15 says, without is the dogs. That means these following types of people in this next verse of 15 are not allowed in. A lot of people, like I've said before, a lot of people think this means right outside that gate will be these, these dogs, these murderers, these sorcerers, the wicked, will be right outside the gate. That's not accurate, that you're taking that too little. What it means is they're not allowed in that city because they're going to die. That's their punishment. That's their wages. That is what they have worked for, workers of iniquity, that will be cast into that lake of fire for eternal death, the second death. Eternal death is that second death. And there's more than just absence from God. 
but rather it is total annihilation of existence. Because once we get into paradise, the wicked are not going to be able to exist anywhere, not even in the grave, not even far down into the different layers of the earth, because there will be no such thing as the devil and the fallen angels and wickedness and rebellion or punishment or even death or even the grave or hell or any such thing. The Bible here in Revelation 21 or 22 says that even hell, the grave, and death will be thrown into the lake of fire. So that annihilation is so complete, it is as if they never existed, and we won't even think about that person. We won't even remember that person's existence, because if we did, we would be mourning, crying, feeling sorry for that person. Amen. God is so great to do that. That is a loving God. That is the complete, almighty, loving God. Because anything less than that would be a God that is not loving. If we had a memory of our lost loved ones, or if a person burned forever and ever and ever screaming in torture, that would not be a loving God at all. But a loving God would give the wicked what they deserve, which is death, the death penalty, in a painful way, because they deserved it, but with an end to it. Amen. A total end to all suffering. Amen. But those that will not make it into eternal life, those that will not make it into that tree of life, that tree of life is eternal life of living as part of the family, the tribe, the kingdom, the government of God. Those people that don't make it in are called dogs, sorcerers, fornicators, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. Now what that means is those that lie because they have that intent of harm, cheating, hurting people, bearing false witness against people, that type of lying. Not the type of deceit that Jacob practiced and some other men of God practiced for righteous purposes. There is a time of deceit that is righteous. But this is a wicked type of lying. People that are just, what do you call it, bald face, whatever they call it, liars. So I know some of those people. Every word out of their mouth is a lie, and they don't, don't even know how to tell the truth. Those type of people, if they don't repent, will be annihilated in the lake of fire. Now, there's a comparison over here in chapter 21, verse 8, which is right over there. Straight across. Notice how, at least in this edition, verse 8, Revelation 21, verse 8, is the last verse on page 280, and Revelation 22, verse 15, is the last verse on page 281, right across the street from one another. 
And I don't know if that's going to be maintained in the next copy. I don't know. But I love how that is. And it goes to show the benefit of using the real Bible, paper Bible, rather than electronic edition. You can see all of these verses. You don't have to scroll up the page. Amen. It's right here in front of you where you can see it and study it a whole lot easier, a whole lot better. You get more edification from it. Now, I prepared to see what the difference is in this list. And if you look at uh, 2215, after you get past the dogs, you're going to have the sorcerers. The sorcerers is in 21.8. It's in a different order, but it's there. Now, in 22.15, fornicators, that also is in chapter 21. Murderers is also in chapter 21. And idolatrous is also in chapter 21. And everyone who loves and practices lying is also listed as liars in chapter 21, verse 8 as well. So all of those are listed. So the only one in 22.15 that is not listed in chapter 21 is the word dogs. But then, if you look in 21, verse 8, there are three people, type of people that are listed right at the beginning of the verse that are not listed in 22.15. And the 21 verse 8, the first three type of people that are listed is the fearful, the unfaithful, and the abominable. Now we know that in the Bible it says the abominations to God is adultery, is abomination to God. Witchcraft is abomination to God. Homosexuality is an abomination to God. So anything that the Bible says is an abomination to God, including uh, worship of false gods, is abomination to God. Amen? Easter is an abomination to God. It says so. Ezekiel 8, the Easter sunrise service, is abomination to God. Uh, in many verses throughout the Old Testament, that talks about the worship of Easter as an abomination to God. Many, many, many verses. So that would include people that keep Easter, Christmas, even Sunday worship, because you cannot separate Sunday worship from Easter. You can't. It's the same thing, just being repeated every week on Sunday morning at the resurrection of the sun is the same thing as the Easter morning sunrise service on Sunday. It's the same thing. You cannot separate it. So if we say that Easter is an abomination to God, we must, must, must also say that going to church on Sunday Morning, as a belief of that that's what you got to do. That's the way you're supposed to do that. That's what God wants you to do. If you believe that, then that is abomination to God. Amen. And the unfaithful and the fearful. Now, notice how the first three that are listed in that verse are at the beginning of the verse, and then over in 22.15, the dogs is also at the beginning of the verse. I don't think that's any coincidence. We've got all the other ones listed. So it's only the first words of each of these two verses that we prepared with one another that 
that are unique is at the very beginning. So I could say that the fearful and the unfaithful and the abominable are the dogs. Amen. They are the dogs. But I could also say accurately and truthfully that all of these are dogs, all of them, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters, those that lie, practice lying. The word practice means as a lifestyle. That is the way that they live their life is through deceit, through lying, for evil purpose. They are all dogs. Amen. But there's a more simple uh, explanation of what dogs are. And we'll study that out today. But to make it brief, and then we'll show it to you. If you look at Jewish culture and throughout Scripture, what you can discover in Jewish culture, and you look at uh, Bible dictionaries, Bible encyclopedias, and you look up what, how and why the Jews called certain people dogs, you would discover that they called Gentiles dogs. The Jews... In the time of Jesus and in the time of the Old Testament prophets as well, and in the time of the apostles of the New Testament as well, they would call Gentiles dogs. Okay, that is a fact of life of what they would do. Why? But why did they call Gentiles, people that are not Israelite, dogs? Why did they do that? We'll find out. We'll talk about that in a second. But dogs is talking about spiritual Gentiles in this context. Okay? We know it's not talking about physical Gentiles. For example, Luke was a Gentile. The man that wrote the book of Luke, he also wrote uh, the book of Acts. He was a great man of God, and he was a Gentile from Syria, as far as I know and understand. So we know that Gentiles will make it into the kingdom if they convert to worship the God of Israel, the true God of Israel, the true God. Amen. So it can't mean the physical Gentiles when it says dogs in this verse. Therefore, it must mean spiritual Gentiles, that the spiritual Gentiles would not be allowed into paradise, eternal life. So a spiritual Gentile, a spiritual dog, is a person that has not converted into being a spiritual Israelite. That is what we are talking about here. So that would be all lost people, not only the homosexuals and the adulterers and the liars and the fornicators and all this, but any person, by the time we get to paradise, that, have, that is not in the condition of salvation. 
anybody that is not in the condition of salvation at that point of time is not considered a spiritual Israelite. We've talked about this many, many, many times. That a true Jew or a true Israelite is one that is circumcised in the heart, not in the flesh. Amen. So if we are truly saved, we are a spiritual Jew and a spiritual Israelite. And that gives us access or entranceway or passport into that tree of life and into paradise and have a right to that tree of life. Amen. But if we are not saved, then we are considered spiritual Gentiles, which means dogs. Amen. Now, a few days ago, maybe a week ago or so, there was a black woman witch, and I'm not meaning that as an insult, but rather reality, a witch who is coming out of witchcraft, coming out of witchcraft, but not yet completely out of witchcraft, that contacted me recently. And she said that Candace Owens, who is a hero of mine, a black woman that stands for righteousness, for the truth, against the so-called Black Lives Matters terrorist organization. Candace Owens is a wonderful person, a great hero for America, who stands against the liberals, the leftists, the dogs. Amen. Candace Owens is a wonderful woman who stands against the ways of the dogs, the spiritual Gentiles, the lost people, the Muslims, so forth. But this evil a woman, a witch that contacted me recently, she said that Candace Owens was assimilated into the dominant white culture. Now, what does the word assimilated mean, or to assimilate? For certain, a lot of people that don't speak English might not, may not understand that word, so let me take time to define it. To assimilate means to become become one of those, to become one of those, or to convert to be one of those people. I used to, a long time ago, I know that science fiction is not good, I know it's evil, but I used to watch Star Trek a long, long time ago, enjoyed watching it, and in the Star Trek TV series and in those movies, there was a species called the Borg. And the Borg were basically uh, robots, uh, but they were half human and half robots. And they would attack different planets and take the people of whatever planet as uh, victims and do surgery on them and implant microchips in their brain and robotic parts to their body and merge the two species together. And they would call that 
that they would assimilate that culture into their culture and into their species. And they would always say, you must assimilate. You must assimilate. You must become one of us and merge the two together, not for the purpose of coexistence, but the pur- for the purpose of conquering that species. You must assimilate. So to convert or to become one of those. So this witch was saying that Candace Owens has assimilated or become one of the dominant white culture. That was her words, dominant white culture. As if, as if to be a legitimate spokesperson for the black people that Candace must have all the so-called African black culture way of dress, music, and this was her own words. This was her own words that Candace Owens has assimilated into the dominant white culture in the way she dresses, the way her hair looks, the way she acts, music, the way she talks, everything. As if, in order to become, uh, to be a legitimate spokesperson for the black people, she must have kinky hair and like rap music and dress in African garments and hate the police and hate the government and demand respirate. I wish I could say that word. Reparations. Reparations. And let all black criminals go free. In other words, according to this black witch, in order to be a legitimate black person, in order to speak for other black people, you must be of the jungle and still be a dog and still be the type of Gentile from a different civilization, a different time in history before civilization came. Amen. Before modernization came and still sing the jungle music and still act like a jungle person. Now, that may sound racist, but that's her way of thinking, not my way of thinking. Amen. That is her way of thinking, that black people must still act like that today, ever worse, or else they're not black. And that is the same mentality of a lot of these white liberals and black liberals of the so-called Black Lives Matters and Antifa and other groups and, and Democrats worldwide. It's a silly way of thinking. To these same people, if, you, if you're a black person and get an education, then you're no longer black. If you're a black person and get a successful job and a good paying job, you're no longer black. That is the way they think, and I'm not exaggerating. This is the mentality on the streets of Chicago. Atlanta, Georgia, Detroit, Michigan, New York City, young black men and women that are raised in the hood, raised in poverty, 
they will insult one another and call each other's names if one of them makes something of themselves, become a person. There's a scripture that says, at one time you were not a people, but now you are a people. Amen. At one time, the Native American Indians, let me pick on my own race for a few minutes. At one time, the Cherokee so-called Native American Indians were savages, animals. Amen. My own people were animals through the jungles of America, worshiping stone gods, idols made of stone and wood, worshiping eagles and wolves, worshiping the wind, worshiping all kinds of creatures, animals, and not having any knowledge of the name of God, involved in much witchcraft. But the Africans were the same way. And the Jamaicans were the same way. They were. But time changed. And God brought the Israelites as conquerors and masters and slave owners into Jamaica. And yes, it did happen. Don't believe those lies that say that there was never any slaves in Jamaica. That's foolish. Look up the history of the song Amazing Grace. Who wrote it and why? Watch the movie. It's a good movie based on a true story. The man that wrote the song Amazing Grace, him and another guy. The one guy, the main character of that movie about Amazing Grace, is that him and his family were slave traders, slave owners and traders that would ship the African slaves from Africa to Jamaica, through, through Jamaica, as well as Jamaicans, back up into England and America and so forth, the triangle between Europe and Africa and Jamaica. So history is overflowing with proof that they were slaves in Jamaica. So don't fall for the lie that it didn't happen. There is tons and tons and tons of proof. Even the song Amazing Grace. is proof of the slave trade in Jamaica. But through that activity and through that conquering and through that slave trade, there was also a measure of the knowledge of God, the true God, even as that amazing grace guy believed in the God of Israel. He may not have known all the commandments. He may not have understood all the truth, but he had a basic knowledge of the God of Israel, of the name of Jesus. Amen. And other conquerors and other people that 
Antifa and the so-called Black Lives Matters that hates George Washington, who was a slave owner, Thomas Jefferson, and other founding fathers of America, and the forefathers of Europe, England, Ireland, Denmark, and so forth. They brought civilization, a certain measure, to Africa and conquered all of Africa. And all of Africa was at one time part of the British Commonwealth for the most part. And that brought the knowledge of God. It brought Bibles. It brought the English language. It brought money. Eventually, not only to the slave traders, but even to the Africans themselves, it brought money and civilization and toilets and running water. We must face the reality that our own sins bring every one of us into bondage, into slavery in one way or another, every one of us, regardless of your race, regardless of whether you're Jew, Native American, African, Jamaican, Korean, it doesn't matter. All races on earth have been brought under bondage, bondage to the devil by our own choice and our own sins. And we have been separated from God and cast out from God and have been adopted into the wrong family. And we have, we have become children of the devil spiritually. And the devil has become our slave master. And the devil has become the spiritual father for the wicked. And the Bible says all of this. That certain people are children of the devil, speaking spiritually. And that the devil is the father of certain people spiritually. And that's the world. Amen. But once we come to a saving knowledge of God, we can't just accept the god of Buddhism, one of the many gods that they have, or one of the many gods of Hinduism, or one of the many gods of Africa, or one of the many gods of the Native Americans. No, we can't just choose and pick any god or any day or any holy day. Amen. We have to choose only the true God, and only the true God is the entrance. Only the true God is the door. And anybody that comes up any other way is a thief and a, and a robber and a liar. Amen. There's only one way into the kingdom, and that is through Jesus Christ. He is the door. He is the way. And guess what? His blood was Jewish. Amen. People hate the Jews, but it, you have to accept the Jewish blood in order to obtain salvation. There's no other way except for through the Jewish blood, only through the Jewish tribe, only through the Jewish doorway, only through the so-called Jewish laws. Amen. In the so-called Jewish Bible, Judeo-Christianity, that's the only way. But the true, true Judeo-Christianity, not the fake Judeo-Christianity. Amen. Dogs, uncivilized people of any culture, act like animals. Watch the wicked 
They act like animals. Regardless of race, the wicked act like animals. They would eat their own, kill their children through abortion. What a barbaric, animalistic behavior to have abortion and kill your own children like they did in the Old Testament in a different manner. That's dogs. People that have killed their children, they are dogs until they repent and convert to accept the God of Israel. Amen. People who worship fallen angels, people who are Catholic, Catholic people are dogs, every one of them. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're related to you. I don't care if you live with them. A Catholic is a dog, period, every one of them. Because the popes, both of the living popes and probably a lot of the previous popes are fallen angels. That is worship of demons. And they don't have to say, I worship you, I worship you, in order to worship them. All they have to do is support them. And when you support a fallen angel in their doctrines, in their teachings, in their speeches, when you honor them, when you respect them, that is worship when it comes to a fallen angel. For their dogs, the worship of fallen angels, the worship of stars, the worship of stones, like the Muslims worshiping the black stone of Mecca. And even the worship of good angels, how people have statues of angels in their houses and on their walls, pictures of angels and angels all over the place and in their gardens, like a lot of Catholics do. That's worship of angels. Whether they're good or bad angels don't make no difference. When you have a picture of a spiritual being, that is worship of that spiritual being. And the Bible forbids that. The people need to come out of that agent paganism, witchcraft. Every bit of that is witchcraft. Having pictures of so-called goddesses, that's witchcraft. Those pictures must be destroyed. People must assimilate, convert, become one. With the modern knowledge of God, with a modern common sense that stones are not gods, that animals are not gods, and must assimilate into the knowledge of scriptures that are now available to almost all mankind for the majority of the world. But for the majority of history, most mankind did not have access to the scriptures except for only through the stars, the consolations. Think about it. Back in the 1500s and before, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, probably 1,400 years, 1,500 years, 1,600 years, the Catholic Church forbid anyone to have their own Bible, to own their own Bible. It was forbidden by the Catholic Church. Why would anyone? even go to a Catholic church or respect or honor in any way, shape, or form a Catholic priest or a pope or the Catholic church itself, knowing that the Catholic church forbid 
the ownership of Scripture for 14 to 1600 years. How can anyone honor such a religion? It's ridiculous. But now we have access to the Scripture. And because of that, we are without excuse. We must assimilate to the current knowledge of Scripture. Meaning, we need to have a Bible. We need to buy a Bible, get a Bible in some way or form, catch up with time. Amen. Learn to read. Learn the ABCs, learn to read, and accept that we now have this technology of being able to print Bibles. And we must assimilate into the knowledge, the saving knowledge, of the original, original, true God of Israel, who must be worshipped. And all Gentile nations must assimilate and convert to that worship of the same true God of Israel, not the pagan wine names of the Jews. Let's go to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, verse 21. Matthew 15, verse 21. Verse 21 through 28. Some very interesting things here. Matthew 15, verse 21. Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And there was a Canaanite woman, a Gentile, from the region, came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Master, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Now notice here two words or two phrases. Master. Amen? She didn't come out there saying, Hey, honky. Hey, white cracker. No. She said, Master, submitting herself to who? Son of David. You know what she was saying right there? She was saying, I know and I confess I'm a Gentile and you are white. You are Israelite. You are Israelite. You are a descendant of a certain tribe of people. That is what she was saying. Why else would she say that? She was acknowledging that she was submitting herself to him because of his race. He didn't say son of Joseph and Mary, but son of David, acknowledging his tribe. And saying, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. 
And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. And he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Jezreel. So his first response was not, okay, I have mercy on you. Okay, I heal your daughter. Okay, I embrace you and, and I instantly heal you. That was not his first response. His first response was, no. Basically, no. Because you're a Gentile. Because I have come only to the, to the sons of David, only to the people of my own race, only to the people of my own nation, my own race, my own color. These are the only people I came to. That's what Jesus said. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Master, help me. She wouldn't give up. She was determined. She was pressing through. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the puppies. Now, know the connection. Notice the connection between the word children and puppies. Children love puppies and little kittens. Amen. Babies love babies. Amen. So I love this connection here, which you don't see in any other Bible. I've never seen any other Bible that uses the word puppies here. All the other translations use the word dog. Now, I second questioned myself, second guessed, and looked it up again to make for sure, is this the right translation? And yes, it is the right translation. The Greek word for puppy there is Greek word number 2952. 2952. And that means puppy, or just a small little dog, which is puppy. It's a different Greek word for a grown dog, a different Greek word. And I will show you an example of that in another verse in a few minutes here. But it's definitely puppy, which is unique to the AOB, which again proves the AOB as being more accurate than any other English Bible. And the word children, in connection with it, also confirms that. So Jesus said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the puppies. So when he said that, he was referring to her and to all Gentiles as dogs. But he used the word puppies here to show some gentleness, some love, because everybody loves puppies. Who doesn't love puppies? Everybody loves puppies. Amen? So he used a more gentle word, but he was still calling the Gentiles, basically still calling them dogs.
But she said, yes, master. But even the puppies feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Oh, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you want. And her daughter was healed at once, instantly, as soon as he said that, which proves he was God. Amen? Amen. So God did grant her that mercy that she was asking for. But notice, it was because that she was determined, that she kept pressing through, and because of her faith, knowing that he could do it. Knowing that he could absolutely heal her daughter. No maybe, no guessing, no maybe, 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 perhaps. He could do it. She was having faith in the God of Israel. Amen. She wasn't going to the God of the Africans. She wasn't going to the God of the Native Americans. She wasn't going to Ba or to Easter or to Maz. He was going to Jesus Christ, the God of Israel. And she was saying in different words, I assimilate. I accept that your way is the right way, that you're the true God that you're the true Messiah, that you're the one with the power of life and death and resurrection. You are the one. You are the way. You are the door. You are the gate. She was acknowledging all of that in those very few simple words. And she knew that she had to humble herself. Amen. The day of atonement is about humbling ourselves and searching ourselves, examining ourselves. Have we truly assimilated to the God of Israel? Or are we still holding on to at least a leg or a finger or a toe, a book, a magazine? Are we still have the, the door cracked to Babylon? Are we still holding on to witchcraft? Are we still worshiping animals or angels or a statue or a certain movie or something that we should have already gotten rid of? It is a time to examine ourselves, afflict our soul, and speak with God honestly. Be honest with God. How far have we come and how far do we still need to go toward putting him first? And when we, don't, when we don't put him first, we cannot really call him master. We really cannot call him Lord. Look up that old sermon. What does it mean to call him Lord? What does it mean call Jesus Lord? What does that really mean? What does it really mean? Amen. We need to know what it really means to call him Lord. This woman knew. This woman knew. Amen. Look at chapter 7, verse 6.
chapter 7, verse 6. You know, when we were lost, we were not a people. And we did not think the same way that we now think. But God's way of thinking, God's spirit, his blood, his ghost, his presence within us, his leading, his teaching, should change our way of thinking. Absolutely. And if we do not change our way of thinking, then we, can't see, we cannot say that we have converted. Conversion. What does that mean? What does it mean to convert, to become a Christian, to become a true follower of Christ? It is changing. It is assimilation. Becoming one of that tribe, that species, that creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Chapter 7, verse 6. Jesus said, Do not give what is holy to the dogs. That is basically what he was saying to that woman. I cannot throw the food that belongs to the children of Israel to the dogs. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and tear you to pieces. He's saying, be careful who you witness to. You can't just witness to just anyone, because some people will kill you on the spot. That's the reality that we live in right now. And it was the reality that Jesus lived in, in that day and time, and the apostles. But now it has returned right back to that same condition of wickedness in the world, where just by using Jesus' name, we could be killed. And for this sermon I'm speaking today, I could be killed. Amen. For speaking the words I speak today. And the Greek word for dogs here is not the same Greek word that we found in chapter 15. The word we found in chapter 15 was 2952, whereas the word here is 2965. 2965, which is truly the word for dog and not puppy. So there is a difference in those two Greek words, which confirms that AOB is more accurate. And it shows that Jesus understood what a dog was spiritually. And that the Jews were calling Gentiles dogs. So when we look at the entrance to paradise in Revelation 22:15, we must realize that it's talking about spiritual Gentiles, people that refuse to assimilate, people who want to hold on to witchcraft, Paganism, Islam, the Catholic Church, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Native American agent witchcraft. Those dream catchers is magic, which is witchcraft. Nobody that calls himself Christian should ever have a dream catcher. Because that is a form of witchcraft. You know what? When you are a particular 
race is part of the sinful human nature to glorify and exalt your own culture like the Muslims do and the Hindus do and the Buddhists do and the atheists do and the Native American Indians do and the Africans do and the Jews do but every one of those cultures are wrong every one of those cultures are wrong every one of those cultures are involved in witchcraft paganism demonic spirits Back a long, long time ago, because of my Native American ancestry, I had a lot of statues of Indians and the dream catchers and the pictures of wolves and eagles and all that because I honored and respected and glorified my family culture. And that's what a lot of people do innocently not realizing the harm. But once God opened my eyes, I had to throw all those things away, get rid of those things, clean up, clean up the house, purify myself, repent of my sin. Because the God, all the gods, false gods of the Native American Indians were fallen angels when they was worshiping the creation, the stars, when they was worshiping the constellations, when they were worshiping the eagles and the woods and the trees and the wind. All of that was witchcraft and all of it is connected with demonic spirits. All of it. I had to repent of that. So this is a problem worldwide, not just one nation, not just one continent, not just one culture, but worldwide, this is a huge problem. But through the saving knowledge of the English Bible and the English language of coming to know the name of Jesus, which is unique, the Africans, many of them, until they learn English, don't know the name Jesus. The Koreans, until they hear of this ministry, don't really know the name Jesus. It's only through the language of Queen Elizabeth that the name of Jesus has been exalted worldwide. It was only through George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and other forefathers of America that America rose to power to bless all nations. Zimbabwe, where Brother Meekness lives, at one time was under the British Empire, now have fallen a lot to China and trying to go back to the roots of the African ancestry, which goes right back to witchcraft again. But Zimbabwe is blessed by the American dollar bill. 
And when he picks up his rent money every month from this ministry, it is an American dollar bills. Because the Zimbabwe president is a fool and doesn't know how to establish his own currency that would be successful for his own people. He's not capable of ruling himself of his own people. None of the African presidents, none of them, are capable of ruling their own nations successfully and prosperously. Especially with especially not without the help of the British Empire and the British Crown, which is the throne of David. The British Crown is the throne of David. Find that old sermon about the eternal throne of David who sits on the throne of David today. Amen. Find that sermon and listen to it as well. I do encourage people to go back and listen to these old sermons because I can't be repeating myself constantly all the time, although I do. But I only do that in brief. You need to go back and listen to all the details. But God is not a respecter of persons. He loves all people, all people. And he is trying to get everyone saved, for he is not willing for anyone to perish, but for all to come to everlasting life. And it is through one blood of Adam and Eve that all mankind came into this world. Amen? The God of Israel wants to embrace everyone. He is all-inclusive if you assimilate. Amen. But people today, they come to America, the melting pot of the world, they call it, the land of the free. They come in here and they say, I hate your nation. Even though I have worked all my life and just walked 200 miles or broke the law or just went without food for 30 days or whatever I had to do to get to your nation because I love it so much. But once they get here, I hate your nation. I hate your president. I hate your laws. And I want to overthrow your nation. And I refuse to assimilate. I refuse to convert. I refuse to even... Uh, uh, even respect the Bible. I will burn your Bibles. I'll burn your flag. I'll burn your cities. I'll burn your town. I'll kill your white children. I'll kill your women. I'll kill your men because I hate your race and I hate your nation and I want to overthrow this nation to bring in communism, to bring it right back to the same state that my nation is in, to bring it right back to being like Zimbabwe, to being just like Nigeria, to being just like Kenya. That's the way it needs to be. Stupid, ain't it? Stupid, stupid, stupid. Reminds me of the verse in 2 Peter 2, 22, 2 Peter 2, 22, that says that the dog returns right back to his own vomit. The dog eats his own vomit, his own throw-up. That's what dogs do. They throw up and eat their own vomit. And that's what these people are doing. It's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. And they deserve to be called dogs. Jesus embraced that term. That 
detogatory term. He embraced it. He didn't say, don't talk that way. He didn't say, that's hate. He embraced that terminology. It's hot in here. Amen. God is good. Amen. We need to be able to allow God to change our way of thinking and not fall for the propaganda. And the propaganda right now all over the world and has been for a long time is that America is evil, that America is the big Satan and Israel is the little Satan. And that the American white dominance uh, and the British white dominance across Africa was unjust and wicked. And that's not true at all. It was righteous. It was God's hand of judgment and God's hand of deliverance at the same time. Amen. Just like with the coronavirus right now. God is judging people and killing people, but he is also delivering people through death. Even as the book of Isaiah says, I think Isaiah 65 or 68 or somewhere in there, it might not even be a 68 chapter, but it talks about people dying and going to their grave to rest in their grave to escape the storm to come. So people are dying, these old people in the nursing homes, is a great deliverance. I had always wondered, I've always wondered, you know, what's going to happen to these people in these nursing homes, locked up, can't escape, and the invasion comes? Who's going to feed them? Who's going to take care of them? No electric, no food. Are the Muslims going to come in and kill them? Or, or are they just going to live and sit there and rotten and die? Starve to death? What's going to happen to all these old people? Now I know. By God's mercy, he's killing them to have mercy on them. Through the coronavirus, there are nursing homes that are like 50 people, 20 people, 100 people, 200 people are dying in each nursing home. Huge numbers. Thank God. Thank God. Because now those people won't have to worry about the Chinese coming in the front door of that nursing home. Now they won't have to worry about becoming a child soup for the Chinese. Thank God for God's hand of deliverance through invasion through captivity. Amen. God is a great deliverer, but he works in strange ways. But let's go over to chapter 8, verse 1. Matthew 8, verse 1. Matthew 8, verse 1 through 13, God willing. Matthew 8, verse 1, Jesus came down from the mountain. Large crowds followed him. And a leopard came to him and bowed down before him and said, Master, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, a leper, a person with leprosy, a person with a skin disease or a skin condition, normally 
the Jews would not touch them nor even speak to them. They would run the other direction. They wouldn't have anything to do with them. But this leopard, knowing that, submitted himself with being humble, not coming up to him in a hateful manner, calling him names, but submitting himself in humility, bowed down before him and called him master and said, I know that you're able to do this. I know that you're able to clean me. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, which was not allowed under old covenant law. But he touched him saying, I am willing. I am willing. Be cleansed. Amen. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests, the Jewish priests, and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. In other words, submit yourself to the government. Submit yourself to those that are over you, your masters. Don't try to overthrow them. Don't resist them. Even as it says in other verses in, in Romans, and I believe Peter, that says to submit yourself to your masters. It doesn't say stab them in the back. It doesn't say run away. It doesn't say try to get freedom but rather submit yourselves to your masters. That's Bible. It goes against the grain of what we've been taught, but it's Scripture. It's Bible. Amen. And Jesus said to him in verse 4, to give a testimony to them, verse 5, and Jesus entered this town called Capernaum, and there was a centurion, which would have been a Roman soldier, another Gentile, came to him, imploring him, meaning begging him, asking him, and saying, Master, my servant is lying, paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Master, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. This is amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. This Roman Gentile soldier knew that Jesus had so much power, he didn't even, did not even have to go in person to lay hands on the man. He could just speak forth the words and it would be done. He knew that he had great faith Verse 9, for I am a person under authority and soldiers under me, and I say to this one, to this one person, go, and he goes. And to another, I say, come, and he comes. And to my servant, I say, do this, and he does it. So he understood what it was like to be a master, to have servants, to be in control, to have authority, and that other people would obey. So he recognized that Jesus, hey, you are the master of masters. Lord of lords, king of kings, God of gods. You, all you have to do is say the word and it'll be done. Now this was recognizing Jesus as much stronger 
and with much more power and authority than a prophet. He was recognizing him as the Messiah, as the coming manifestation of God. And he was submitting himself to the authority of Jesus, to the power of Jesus, to the Godship of Jesus, and to the masterhood of Jesus. He was submitting himself in every possible way. Every possible way he was submitting himself with honor and respect. Verse 10. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Amen. Meaning, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith of anyone in Israel or Jezreel. And that needs to be changed right there. Jezreel, Robert. And then verse 11, I say to you, that many will come from the east and from the west, from afar, from different directions, from different nations. And we'll recline at the eating table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is saying, there's going to be Gentiles from Russia, from China, from different directions of the globe that will come and fellowship with these Hebrews. Ah, ah, amazing. Amen. But, however, in verse 12, but the sons of the kingdom, talking about the unconverted Jews, will be cast out into the outer darkness, eternal death. Now, there will be crying and there will be gashing of teeth when they realize what the verdict is. But it doesn't say that the crying will be forever does not say that the gashing of their teeth will be forever. It does not have the word forever or eternal there in that verse. does not say it, but everybody wants to try to insert it in their mind or verbally. But it doesn't say forever. It just means that once they hear the verdict at the great white throne judgment, and as they enter into that lake of fire and feel those flames on their flesh, yeah, they'll be crying and gashing of teeth. But no, not forever. doesn't say forever. So stop inserting words that it doesn't say. Amen. That outer darkness is sleep eternal. Amen. But it is, he is warning that even some, of, even, some of, even some of his own race won't make it in. Even some of his own race won't make it in. And Robert, I'd like for you to send me a note when you do send all these notes to me, please, that in Matthew 8, verse 12, is proof that not all Israelites will be saved. Because I have wondered that, and this is proof that they won't all be saved. Because if you read King James Version, and even, I think, all translations, except for AOB, in multiple verses, it says that all of Israel, all of Israel will be saved. All of them. It says that over and over. 
but not AOB. AOB says the majority of the Israelites will be saved. It can't be every one of them, because then God would be a respecter of persons based entirely only upon skin color. Now, he does consider the race of what race they come from. Yes, he does consider skin color, absolutely. Because everybody must be adopted into that one race. So he does consider that. Did he not with that woman? Did he not? But he has compassion and he wants all races to be saved. But they have to assimilate, convert into the kingdom. That is a Israelite kingdom. When you come to America, you should learn English, respect our flag, respect our laws, respect our culture. When you go to Korea, you should learn Korean and learn the Korean language and the flag and the government and have a certain manner of respect. Any nation you live in, if you go to a nation, and live there as a citizen by choice, then you should have respect for that nation and its laws. But even so much more, even so much more so, though, when it is a nation that honors God, amen, when it is a nation that honors the true God, then so much more honor is due and respect and assimilation into its culture. A nation is defined by its borders, its language, and its culture. As the great man Michael Savage says, a radio host, <clears throat> quite confused at times he is, but nevertheless a pretty good man, and he says that a nation is defined by its language and its borders and its culture, and that is so, so true. So true. Amen. But these verses show that God has compassion on the Gentiles. Even in the Old Testament, believe it or not, even in the Old Testament, he had compassion on the Gentiles. And even in the Old Testament, he was calling out to certain Gentiles, saying to them, you can, you can be adopted as my children, as my tribe. Amen. You know, the Native Americans did that, that a person could convert from one tribe to another tribe, even if they was not the same race even if they were not the same tribe, they would say, you know what? Come dance around the fire with me 12 circles and let me spit in your hand and you spit in my hand and do whatever rituals, whatever rituals, or let me cut a little cut in your hand and we'll be blood brothers, you know? They would allow people to convert into their tribe. And the Jews did the same thing. A man could cut the skin off his penis and, 
and convert. But it was more than that, though. It was more than that. You had to keep the Sabbath. You had to keep the holy days. You had to respect the God of it. Respect the God of Israel. You had to respect the name of Israel. You had to respect the forefathers. You had to respect the forefathers of Israel. You had to respect Abraham, even though he had slaves. You had to respect Isaac, even though he had slaves. You had to respect Jacob, even though he had slaves. And if you said an evil word against the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you would have been stoned or at the very least cast out of the borders of Israel, at the very least. Amen. You don't go to a nation and disrespect their forefathers. Amen. Respect is something a lot of people don't have anymore, do they? Amen. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Page 212. You have paperback AOB Bible. Page 212. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 2 and 3, page 212, Philippians 3, verse 2. This is Paul writing to the church of a town of uh, Philippi. And he says, beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are of the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of Theos and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Amen. So it's not the flesh that will gain you entrance to the kingdom. It's not circumcision of the flesh. It's not skin color. It's not race. It's not tribe. So beware of these people, of the Y name, Hebrew roots, cults, that want you to convert to Judaism and keep the unclean meat laws that eating a rabbit will send you to hell, that's foolishness. That having skin on your penis will send you to hell, that's foolishness. Insanity, isn't it? Beware of those dogs, those animals that would tell you that God is going to allow you or not allow you into paradise based upon how much skin is on your penis. Those animals that teach you that you have to be circumcised 
those false teachers. Those are the false circumcision. Beware of them. Beware. Amen. They are dangerous to us. They have a way of trickery. They have a way of deceit that can cause us to fall away from the blood of Jesus. That is the one-time eternal sacrifice for our sins. Amen. The blood of a man's penis cannot save me. And the blood of a prophet cannot save me. If Jesus was only a prophet, then we have no Savior. Only the blood of God. And only the blood of the Jewish God. Only the blood of the Israelite God can save us. And we must submit ourselves to his mastership and his culture and his chosen language of evangelism, his chosen Bible, his chosen apostles and prophets, his chosen church, his chosen ministry, his chosen brothers and sisters. Amen his commandments, his laws, his holy days, his way of thinking, his way, his way, not our own. That's the difference between the tree of life and the tree of so-called knowledge of good and evil is our way or his way. Which is it? Choose. Amen. Our way and our ancient culture and what my, what my grandfather did, what my great-grandfather did, or what Jesus commands. Amen. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. We're almost done, but we've got a big chapter here to read, but I'll try to go quickly for you. Revelation chapter 2, we won't rush the word of God, we won't. But nevertheless, I do know that we live in these physical temples that do get exhausted and tired. We won't rush the Word of God, but I will at the same time consider the needs of our physical bodies and try not to uh, talk too much more than necessary. Revelation 2, verse 9. Revelation 2, verse 9. I know your tribulation or your problems and your trials, and I know your poverty, but you are rich. Spiritually speaking, you are rich. And the blasphemy, I know the blasphemy of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. And that could also, in one sense, be translated as the church of Satan, in one sense. Okay, because it is an assembly of worshipers who are following the devil, who are following false doctrine. As I've said many times, many people say this refers to the people who live in the land of Judah, the Jews. And they say they are not true Jews, but fake Jews. It has nothing to do with race. It has to do with whether or not you have assimilated, converted, been baptized, and embraced the laws and commandments of the God Almighty, Jesus Christ. That is what it has to do with. 
the, purpose, the people who refuse to assimilate, the people who refuse to respect the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the people who hate Zionists, they're dogs. And if you're a dog, you are a member of the church of Satan. Amen. 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 If you're a dog, you're a member of the synagogue of Satan. So when Revelation 22 says that the dogs won't be able to enter into the kingdom, it means the church of Satan won't be allowed. Amen? Amen. Those people that refuse to respect and honor the people who God himself used. Amen? The Bible says that if you forget the exact words, but something very close to that, if you receive the word of a prophet, that you receive a prophet's reward. Amen. But I could turn that around and be just as truthful and say that if you disrespect the word of a prophet, then you're going to be tortured by God in the tribulation. You're going to suffer the consequences. You're going to receive punishment. Amen. If you disrespect Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if you disrespect George Washington, who was a great man of God, amen. He didn't have all knowledge of God. It wasn't even meant for people in that generation of the 1700s to have all the knowledge of God because a lot of it was reserved unto our time. So we can't really hold George Washington accountable for certain things he did not know because a lot of things was reserved for our church era. But for his time and for his generation, he was a great man of God in so many ways. He was a man deserving of honor and respect. Amen. And anybody that dishonors the name of George Washington, I think, should be hung in the public square. So beware of the dogs. Amen. And God knows these people, who they are, and God will control the gates. God will control the borders of Israel. Amen. Let's go over here to uh, Romans 11. Romans 11. This is so significant. I want to make sure that everybody in this congregation knows Romans 11. Romans 11, verses 1, all the way down to verse 28, God willing. Romans 11, verse 1. I say then, Theos has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Theos has not rejected his people, the Israelites, whom he foreknew. 
Or do you not know what the scripture says about Elijah's, how he pleaded with Theos against the Jezreel because of their sins? He said, quote, Lord, they have murdered your prophets. They have torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life, unquote. But what was the divine response to him? What did God say back to Elijah when Elijah was praying against Israel? God said, quote, preserve for me 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Or actually, it may actually need to be translated, I have preserved for me. So we have to double check that, Robert. It might need to be, I have preserved for me 7,000 men. We'll double check it. Either way, there was 7,000 men of Israel that had been preserved alive, that had not worshipped the false gods. But Elijah didn't realize that. He only saw the sins that he did see in a larger number of Israelites that were sinning. And he was righteous in his prayer against the wicked. That was okay. God was just letting him know, guess what, Elijah? You don't know it. You don't see your brothers and sisters. You think you're all alone, AJ. You think you're all alone, Kiki. You think you're all alone, Fiana and Kareem and Meekness, Pastor Tim and Robert and Brittany. You think you're all alone. But guess what? God has preserved a remnant of people, some other people that we've not yet met. They are hiding well. We can learn some things from them, how to hide. Amen. How to be quiet. How to keep our mouth shut a little bit better. We can learn some things from these people once we meet them. Amen. But God has preserved some people. I guarantee you that there are some people that we're going to meet. Amen. In verse 5, in the same way then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to Theo's grace's choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. What then? What Jezreel is seeking, it has not obtained. But those who were chosen obtained it. And the rest were hardened. What this means is that God has different time periods in which he is working with different groups of people. And we saw that perfectly when Jesus said to the Gentile woman, I have only come to the lost sheep of Israel. Because at that particular time, at that particular week, that particular month, that particular year, he was focusing on the Jews. I mean, let's face it. He wasn't born in America. He wasn't born in Africa. He was not an African, regardless of what people believe. But rather, he was Jewish, which is not the same as African. It's two different, entirely different things. Amen. 
he was Jewish, and he came to the Jews at that time. But then we remember also at the end of Matthew, in the last two, three, four verses of Matthew, we know that he said to the disciples, to the apostles, go into all of the world, go into all the world, baptizing people in my name, teaching them what I have taught you. So he did teach the disciples of a new time era, a new church era. We know at the day of Pentecost there was Greeks there and other people that was observing the holy days right alongside with the Jews. And they were, they were allowed and they were embraced because they didn't come in there uh, stomping on their flag and insulting their language and insulting their culture. No, they came in there in agreement, in submission, in assimilation to the God of Israel. Amen. But there are different time frames in which he was working with the Jews, and there are different time frames when he's going to work with the house of Israel, which he did come to the house of Israel, not just to the Jews. But there are different time frames. There is what the Bible calls the time of the Jews. I think it might be in the same chapter, maybe. And we'll get there in a minute. So there's different generations, <clears throat> different time frames. Say, for example, uh, maybe in the 1200s, he might have been working mostly only in England. I don't know about that time zone. I'm just making something up in a different century. But once it came to the 14, 15, 1600s, he started working more with the Africans through the slavery technique of bringing judgment, but deliverance at the same time and mercy at the same time. Uh, all these things mixed together because God works in strange ways, but he knows what he's doing. Now he's working mostly with America and or was back in the 17 and 1800s he was working more with america now he's working more with algeria and jamaica and korea and australia wherever the members of this congregation is that's where he's working more right now working greatly in algeria we are definitely right now in the time of the gentiles Amen. We have more black members of this congregation than we do white. We have more people in Algeria than any other nation on earth. So I would say we're in the time of the Gentiles right now. But once we get into the hundred years, it will be all nations, but it will be a large focus on the house of Israel, according to Ezekiel 37, Whereas right now, he's working with the Gentiles right now. So we go in different time frames, different eras. So again, in verse 7, what then? What is Jerusalem is seeking? It has not attained. But those who were chosen according to what time that he chooses which people obtained it, and the rest were hardened. So what he's saying is the Jews were hardened by God. Remember that the Bible says that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh 
to not allow the Israelites go. He had free choice. He had free will. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. But God, seeing the heart of Pharaoh from the beginning, knew that Pharaoh was the man for the job, that God would choose him to harden his heart, use his own free will, use his own mind, the, the mind of Pharaoh, the character of Pharaoh, the personality of Pharaoh, to use that against Pharaoh. Amen. So he used the Jews to say, okay, you're going to fall for the lions. And you're going to not accept Jesus as the Messiah. We've got to realize something. When everybody's pointing the finger at the Jews, that they did not and do not accept Jesus as the Messiah, and therefore they are Antichrist, even though it's a true statement that they are Antichrist, guess what? It's God's will. It is God's choosing. It is God's plan. God is the great architect. Amen. He is the great potter. And to make a beautiful piece of pottery, sometimes you've got to smash it down. Bend it more. Add more water on it. Start all over. Sometimes you have to prune the tree, as the Bible says. He prunes the tree. He cuts off certain people for a time and a season so that more people can come in. Sometimes God has to remove a certain person from this congregation in order to bring in more people into the congregation. He stiffened, hardened the heart of the Jews to not accept him, not accept the truth, until it comes time to work with the Jews more. Amen. God is in so much more control than what we give him credit for. Now, they will still be disciplined because they still have free will. And he's still trying to get everyone in, but at the same time, there's a measure, a measure of knowledge, as the Bible says, given to each person, and a measure of mercy, and a measure of his spirit, and a measure of Everything. Everything is measured out. It's a great recipe what God is doing. Let's continue. Verse 8. Just as it is written, Theos gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not, and ears to hear not, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block, and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened to see not, and bend their backs forever. Now when it says bend their backs, it means to bend over, to stoop down your back toward the front of yourself because of the weight of burden. To stoop due to the weight of burden. We're going to add those notes into the AOB to help people understand what that means. And I've got it written here, but I still want you to make a note of it, Robert, so I don't forget. 
to add what that means to due to the weight of burden. But the word forever, I need to double check because that don't sound right. <clears throat> probably until the end of term would probably be better there. So it is God's plan for the Jews to be blind right now. Verse 11, I say then, they did not stumble as to fall in order to destroy them is what that means. God is not trying to destroy the Jews. May it never be. But by their transgression, by their sin, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy. God is using another woman. <laughs> oh, baby. He's using another woman to make the Jews uh, jealous. Amen. Now, if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be once God does start working with them again in a greater measure? Verse 13, but I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles inasmuch then as I'm speaking as an apostle of the Gentiles, I'll magnify my ministry. In other words, he's saying, I'm shining a light on what my ministry is about. Amen. I'm defining my ministry. I am called to the house of the Gentiles, basically, Paul was saying. I am called not so much to the Jews, but he is called more to the Gentiles, is what he is saying. Verse 14, if somehow I might provoke to jealousy my own fellow countrymen, the Jews, or the tribe of Benjamin and the Israelites, and save some of them by paying attention to the Gentiles. Isn't that interesting? So Paul was playing the other woman game too, of paying attention more to the Gentiles so that some of the Jews would say, hey, what is he doing over there with them? I want his attention. I want him to come over here and teach me. I'm an Israelite. He's trying to make them jealous. Verse 15. For if their rejection of the Jews is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Amen. If the first fruits, that is, the Israelites, is holy. Uh-huh. It's saying right there that the white race is holy, that the tribe of Israel is holy, that God's nation, Israel, is holy nation. Not a corrupted, or it became corrupted, but God founded a nation. He founded a people. He said to them, will you be my people? You were not a people. You were dogs. But will you be my people and keep my laws and be my citizens of my kingdom? And they said, yes, sir. Yes, master. We will be your citizens and your people and your nation. Amen. 
and those first fruits, his nation is holy. The bulk of the dough is also. And if the root is holy, then the branches are also. But if some of the branches were broken off, some of the Jews were broken off, some of the Israelites were broken off, that is, the Jews were broken off, then you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree. Meaning, if you want to be part of this tree of life, notice the symbolism of tree here. If you want to be a partaker, a participant in the tree of life, then you can't just look from afar. You can't just be part of the audience. You can't just be sitting on the back row and just listening to the sermon. You have to become involved. You have to step into it. You have to drink in that body of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus. Amen. You have to eat of the flesh of Jesus through the Passover bread. Amen. You have to drink in that Jewish blood. It has to become part of you. You have to assimilate. You have to become of that tribe, not just an observer. Amen. You have to be assimilated into the tribe of Israel and become a spiritual Israelite. Verse 18, do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you, meaning it did start with Israel. We have to respect Israel, the roots, the forefathers, and the commandments of God. Do not be arrogant and proudful about other nationalities. We need to let go of our pride of the Native American culture. We need to let go because in, in paradise, I would not be allowed to be a Native American Indian. I would not be allowed to have a Native American flag in paradise. I would not be allowed. Because that Native American flag represents witchcraft. I would not be allowed a Nigerian flag or a Zimbabwe flag or any African flag or even the modern false flag of Israel, which is not an Israeli flag at all, but an Assyrian flag. Those particular flags won't be allowed in paradise. Why? Because when you, when you enter into God's nation, God's kingdom, you have to respect its flag. And you have to assimilate to its flag. You have to assimilate to its flag, which is the cross of Jesus Christ, the menorah that represents the seven church eras, that represents us, the congregation of God. We have to assimilate into God's commandments, God's laws, God's culture, God's way of life. So we got to learn to let go 
of agent civilizations that were not a people and were not civilized, that was pagan, that was evil, that was barbaric, that was against God. Let go and come out of her, my people. Be Israel. Be God's people. Be a people of God. Be his nation. Be his kingdom. Amen. We have to become members of his army. And to be a member of an army, you have to agree to the laws of that land and to its culture. Amen. What verse? It says here, what, 18 is next or 19 is next? Okay. Verse 19, you were saved then. Branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right. You were broken off. The Jews were broken off for their unbelief or somebody was broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by our faith. It all comes back to the land of Israel, the God of Israel. Now, I'm going to pause right there. I'm going to keep my finger trying not to lose my spot. This is why a lot of people say, you've got to go back to the Hebrew roots. But the problem with the Hebrew roots cults is they don't know the true God of Israel. They are still holding on to an Asian, barbaric, witchcraft, paganism, Assyrian God with a Syrian name, a Syrian flag, a Syrian calendar, a sunset to sunset, that is a Syrian calendar, not, not Hebrew calendar, not Israelite calendar. Amen. So they're not going back far enough when they go back in the Hebrew roots. They're only going back as far as what the Jews were taught in Babylon to believe, rather than the original true God of Israel of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So they're not going far enough back in their roots. They're dwelling in witchcraft. And they think you have to speak Assyrian and dress Assyrian. Oh, I cannot stand it when somebody says to me, Salome, Sabbath Salome. Because when they say Salome, Sabbath Salome, I know that they're just, you know, trying to be good. They're just trying to say happy Sabbath, good, blessed Sabbath, I know. But it pisses me off because they're trying to talk Jewish, which is not even Jewish, Assyrian. It's like these uh, black wannabes, these white punks, white teenagers, and some people, even in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, still acting like kids, trying to be black, singing rap. And they're white. Black wannabes that want to go back to the jungles of Africa. I'm just speaking the truth. That's all I'm doing, speaking the truth. In the same way when people say, Salaam, Sabbath, whatever that, foolish term is, I, why don't you just speak English and say happy Sabbath? 
You don't have to speak Jewish to be a spiritual Israelite. No, you don't have to do that. Speak English. Amen. That's what's wrong with the Hebrew roots cults is because they just want to dress Jewish, act Jewish, and uh, all that. They're assimilating to their own culture. Amen. The people that are broken off. They're assimilating, trying to assimilate themselves to a group of people that are broken off from Jesus Christ even if it was God that did it on purpose to them for a time and a season, it is still a people that are broken off from God. And we should not assimilate, assimilate or convert to Judaism. No way. Amen. And it says in 21, if Theos did not spare the natural branches, he would not spare you either. Meaning he'll cut off any of us if we do not obey him, whether you're Jews or not. No matter what language you speak, no matter how, how you're dressed, whether or not you have those, what you call those uh, white, blue tassels, yeah. Just because you wear tassels doesn't mean he ain't going to break you off. Amen. Somebody needed to hear that. Amen. Just because you wear tassels doesn't mean you're guaranteed an entrance into the kingdom. If he did not spare the natural branches, he won't spare you either. 22, behold, then, the kindness and the severity of Theos. To those who fail, severity. But to you, Theos, kindness. If, 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 circle that word, if. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise, you will also be cut off. You will also be cut off. Do we examine ourselves on the Day of Atonement? If we are cut off, how do I get glued back? Amen. How do I get drafted back? And I tell you how is by truly believing, not just a mere knowledge, but a saving faith type of belief, a marriage, a bonding of your soul. To Jesus, a woman that marries her husband, grabs on her to her husband. Amen. A woman that marries a man, grabs that man. Amen. A woman that marries a man will grab him and hug him and kiss him and adore him and rub his shoulders and rub his feet and rub his chest and honor him greatly. We need to lay on the chest of Jesus Christ and adore him. Amen. We need to adore him. If you have been broken off, then lay on the chest of Jesus Christ and adore him. Make love to him spiritually. Love him. Worship him. Fall at his feet. Call him master. Call him sir. And cry out to him and wash his feet with your tears. Amen. Treat him with reverence. 
and with awe, with fear, with a reverent fear. Amen. Women have no reverent fear of their husbands anymore like they should. Women today dominate their husbands. And it's not right. We need to bow ourselves in submission to the man of God. When I say that, I say, I mean, God's masculinity. To him as the husband, to the groom. We need to bow ourselves, submit ourselves to him and say, yes, sir. And I love you, sir. And I'm going to do this for you. And I'm going to pay attention to you. I'm going to really, 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 really pay attention to you, my master, my Lord, my King, my God. I'm going to get into the Bible. I'm going to read it, read it, read it, read it. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to remember your goodness. I'm going to remember both your severity and your kindness, and not your severity alone, but I also remember your kindness, the time, all the times that you embraced me and hugged me, all the times that you saved me from different situations, all the times you healed me, all the times you blessed me, all the times that you answered my prayers. All the times that you showed your love to me, I remember all those praiseworthy things. Because you're a good master. Yes, you know how to whoop me. Praise the Lord. Thank you, master, for whooping me. Thank you, master, for taking me under slavery, under bondage, and making me your own. Even as a man, back in ancient times in the Israeli culture and in the good old days, a man would seize the woman. Amen. Seize me, Father. Seize me. I won't yell. I won't scream because I'm a willing servant, Lord. I'm a willing wife. Call me your bride because I choose to love on you, Father. I choose to be yours. I choose to be your kingdom. I choose to be your nation. I choose to be your people. I will not resist. I will not rebel. I'm here to stay forever. I will not leave your side. Push me away, but I will not leave. Push me harder, I still will not leave. Bring out the broom handle. Bring out the broom and hit me with the broom, but I will not leave, sir. I am your army. I have your back. I have your side. I have your front. I have you, Father. And as much as you enslave me, I enslave you back. I will not let you go. I will wrestle with you all night long. Give me my blessing. I will not let go, sir. Give me my salvation. Give me life. I will not let go. I am here to stay. Cuss me if you will. But I will not leave. Insult me if you will. But I will not leave. For I belong to you. I am your property. I am your servant. I am yours. Forever and forever. Amen.
Do you know what it means to call him Lord? Amen? Amen. God is great. He's not just good. <laughs> Amen? He is great. God is good. Amen. Let's just stop right there. God is so good. Yes, the conclusion of the matter is yes. All nations, all peoples, all races must assimilate into the Israeli true religion, true culture, true God, the way of thinking. Jesus said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Meaning he wasn't going to resist or rebel from the ways of the Father, and that he recognized that he was part of his existence, that the flesh of God and the Son of Mankind was not separate from the existence of God. We all fit into God. We all need to come to a greater spiritual maturity to feel God's presence, walk in the Spirit, not just pray in the Spirit, but to live in the Spirit, to see in the Spirit, which means to not see with our carnal eyes. I told that black witch, that you see with black eyes. Because she sees the whole world and every police shooting and everything that happens through a delusion of where she has assimilated into a pagan, demonic, witchcraft, African, pagan culture that she was born in that she thinks she shouldn't escape because there's nothing wrong with it when everything is wrong with it. Amen. I do pray that she be delivered and come to know the presence of God. Amen. I pray that the people who shake in their boots and shake and tremble will come to know the peace of God by coming into the presence of God through prayer, crying out to God, kissing his feet, anointing him with tears, Worshiping him, worship, 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 worship is key. Worship, 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 worship. Tomorrow is the day of atonement. Spend the whole day in worship if you have to. One thing that the Pentecostals have right is they tell people, come to the altar of God and stay there until you get your victory. Amen. And if you don't get it, come back. 
the next time and the next time and the next time just keep going back to the order of God remember those verses of where the woman keeps going back and pestering the unrighteous judge but finally the judge says oh God okay okay I give it to you just get away from me he was tired of fooling with her so he granted her petition We've got to be like that with God. I want it. I want it. I want it like Jacob was. I will not let go of you all night long wrestling with the Lord until we get it. If you want something bad enough, fight for it. Wake up, church, and fight. Amen. Don't just pray for it. Seize it. Seize the kingdom. Grab onto it. Don't be part of the audience anymore. Get involved. Amen. We need co-workers. Amen. We need more brothers and sisters to help us to hold the fence, to hold the borders. Amen. We need more people singing, playing musical instruments prophesying, having dreams, shouting and dancing in the sanctuary. We need more people. We need some people with some soul. Amen. We need more black people here, somebody that knows how to dance, somebody to live up this place. We need it. Amen. We need some Spanish people in here. We need some people speaking in tongues. Amen. Will you run away when you, when you hear people speaking in tongues in this congregation in the future? Are you going to run away like a coward? Well, that's strange. That's strange. I ain't never heard that before. What happened on the day of Pentecost? Amen. Don't be afraid of the gifts of God, for they are holy. Amen. Forbid not speaking in tongues. If it's a real and true Holy Ghost of Jesus Christ speaking, then do not forbid speaking in tongues. Amen. Let's all assimilate into the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise the Lord for his presence here today. Praise God. Now, <clears throat> Day of Atonement at sunrise, that we begin fasting at sunset. And the people over in Asia, Korea, Australia, that part of the world, they're already far into their fasting already, being past sunset over there. <clears throat> we'll begin our fasting here in about <clears throat> three hours or so. So we about to get some supper ready, because I ain't had nothing to eat all day. I don't think, maybe I don't know, I did or not. So we're about to get some supper ready, and uh, I'm only required to fast for 24 hours, not 36 or 48 hours, amen? And then after the Day of Atonement is coming up very, 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 oh, very quick, uh, yeah, is the Fiesta of Tabernacles, amen? And I realize... Several people are having trouble finding where to keep the feast this year. It's a difficult time we live in. Just do what you can do, but make sure whatever you do is the best you can do. Amen? 
Just do whatever you can do. But whatever you do, let it be the best for God. Whatever it is. Okay? And then God will accept our sacrifice. But I don't think everybody's doing the best thing. And sometimes when people delay and wait, they might wait too late. And I don't really know that I can help anybody anymore. The offer was out there for at least a week or two at least, but I don't know if the funding would be available anymore for anyone at this point. We've had all this time to prepare as far as funding goes. We've had all this time. I mean, it's not like I just started teaching about the feast just yesterday. It's in the Bible. It's been there for thousands of years. It ain't no shock and ain't no surprise. We all have calendars on our, on our phones or our computers or on the wall one way or another. We all have calendars. So it should not come as a shock and a surprise of when the feast is and so forth, and the articles have been there for years as well. So that I understand, I do understand, when you look and you seek, and with the new laws and the new restrictions about the coronavirus, it makes it much more difficult. So that's why I say, do what you can do in the different situations in different nations, <clears throat> different cities, about the restrictions right now. I do believe that it's extremely possible this may be our last fiesta before living in the wilderness. So it would be very extremely important to go camping, if at all possible. Not motels. This ain't no vacation. This is not a luxury. This is campfire building fires, walking through the woods, looking up at the stars, that kind of setting. But, but if you cannot find that type of setting, then you can't find it. Amen. If you can't find it, you can't find it. And in that case, you may have to go to a motel or something like that. Or you might have to stay... Uh, in your own house. And if you do have to stay in your own house, for whatever reason, if you have to and you have no choice left, if that's the last thing available, if you have to stay in your own house, then what I would do is I, is I would take some chairs and take a blanket and throw the blanket over two chairs, four chairs, something like that, and make a tent in my own house. Out of a blanket thrown over some chairs and sleep in the floor or maybe pull the mattress under there or something like that. Make your own camping spot inside your own house. If that's all you can do, but whatever you do, let it be the most and the best that you can do. Do the most that you can for God. Don't do it halfway. Do whatever you can the most, all the way, as much as you can do. God understands 
situations and circumstances if we're true and honest about it and if we're truly trying and seeking a way to obey him. But for people that just instantly, I cannot do it because so-and-so, I have no respect for that, neither does God. And some people may be out the door very soon, even right now as we speak, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. Amen? I think some people have the wrong priorities. Husbands and kids and, and things that come in first before God without even trying. Which I've seen all my life, everybody do. Are we going to be surrendered to God or not? And the question must be asked. Are we willing to be beheaded? Are we willing to die for God? Are we willing to die for the observance of the holy days? The holy day is a branding in our forehead. It is our identity of being assimilated. For the Borg, it was some kind of electronic device in your ear or your forehead or your eye or all that mixed together. But for God, it's the holy days. In the name of Jesus, amen. So are we willing to say to a police officer or to a judge, are we willing to say to a police officer to, or, or a judge or someone else that uh, I respect you, sir, and I try to submit myself to you and to your laws, but, but I must obey God first, and God is my top priority. First, for, first and foremost, foremost, beyond, beyond what my husband says, beyond what the president says, beyond what the king says, beyond what the judge says, beyond what the police officer says, beyond what the school says, beyond what my brother says, beyond what my wife says, God first. This is why women shouldn't be married to atheist men and other dogs because the husband be like, no, you can't do that, no, you can't do that. Or you can only do it halfway, or you can only do it so much. Or you can't take the children with you, or whatever reason that the husband, unbelieving dog, might hold you back. And at the very least, just sleeping with that dog, letting that dog have sex with you. Nasty. Nasty, nasty, nasty. Even if he lets you keep the holy days. Having sex with an unbeliever is the same as bestiality. Having sex with a dog. God's people are holy, and your temple is holy. Amen. God is great. Amen. That's great. I want to see the family of God grow. I want to see this congregation grow. I want to see every one of you stay. I don't want to even be able to beat any one of you away. I try not to lord over you. I do. I try not to lord over you. 
but I must also be your sergeant at the same time. Hard balance. Happy day of fiesta, blessed day of fiesta. Amen. Blessed day of fiesta of, or day of atonement rather. This ain't no fiesta. But day of atonement. And the fiesta of tabernacle is coming up very, 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 very quickly. I'll let y'all go so some of you can grab a supper real quick before we have to be start afflicting our souls, okay? God bless you, everyone. I do love everyone. If you and God bless you and all of this, in Jesus' name, amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.